Today's episode of Here's the Catch is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to Robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. We have a perfect guest from 49ers history this week, guys, because his career with the Niners from 87 to 97 was essentially bookended by games against the Vikings in the divisional playoffs. The first one didn't go too well. It was in 87, but the last one went well. You guys beat him, I think, 38-22, Brent. That was in the final year, 97. So four times you guys played the Vikings in extremely important games. And I'm including the Steve Young's Vikings run in 1988. But what does 49ers Vikings bring out in you when you think of those memories? Well, I think the first one is that my very first year with the 49ers, we lost a game that we were heavily favored at home, thought we were a Super Bowl team. And for the rest of my career, I was on edge every time we played the Vikings uh, just because um, they always seemed to have uh, some offensive weapons every time we played them, and that can be scary. Always solid defenses, but nothing that, you know, completely dominated us, but I just remember that very first year. So we always had some good tiffs with the Vikes uh, for sure, and I'm I'm expecting more of the same this upcoming week. Hey, Brett, this is Dennis. How you doing? I know you've been asked this question a million times, but when you look at a player like George Kittle, fifth round draft pick, and you look what he's done so far in his short career, what do you see when you see him and how he plays? Well, first of all, you know what, Dennis, you got to be happy for a kid like that. You know, fifth round, obviously people missed a little bit. Uh, 49ers knew he had some potential. And then coming in early, you know, he, he dropped a few balls and was banged up and nobody was really sure what we had. Um, what he's developed into is a, a the premier tight end in the National Football League. And when you have a guy uh, that is able to catch the ball as well as block, um, but do things after the catch, I think it really becomes a differentiator at the position. George Kittle is fast. He's faster than a, a lot of wide receivers that are starting in the NFL. That's how fast he is. And so, I don't think people are prepared from when they see him on film to how he uh, is game day and he runs by so many safeties, so many linebackers. And it's just, it's fun to watch him. You know, he's got a lot of enthusiasm. He's a guy that everybody enjoys uh, getting going every game. We should point out uh, 
Brent Jones was a fifth-round pick. Uh, George Kittle, also a fifth-round pick. Brent Jones won three Super Bowls. I'm sure 49ers fans are hoping that uh, that history plays out the same with George Kittle. Brent, I wanted to ask you, a lot of fans have noticed that Kittle seems to be playing with a extra padding under his uniform these games. Just wondering, if is that something to be expected at this point in the season, all the abuse a tight end's going to take? throughout the course of the year, or is that a uh, cause for concern that he's dealing with something that maybe we don't know about at this stage? Uh, you know, I think just at this point of the year, there's always something, um, whether it's ribs, whether it's shoulders, uh, things that just, you know, throughout the course of a season wear on you. And, and this is such an important time. You don't really get uh, enough time to heal up. That's actually why this bye week has been significant especially for guys like george that have just put it on the line uh but i think by and large he's completely fine i mean when he played with that game the second half of that game with a knee i mean that was pretty remarkable so he's he's as tough as they come and i and i don't think there's anything to be really concerned about brent this is going to be jimmy garoppolo's first playoff start we've been waiting for a while for this moment we know that legacies are, are made and broken in the playoffs and i know that you're in a good spot to speak on great quarterbacks playing in the playoffs because you played with two of the all-time greats. You got to be in the huddle with both Joe Montana and Steve Young. I'm wondering, from watching Jimmy Garoppolo, what have you picked up so far, and and have you seen some similarities to maybe his leadership style, to some of the things that he's doing body language-wise on the field that might be able to compare or contrast him to what Joe and Steve did back when you played? You can see him coming into his own, certainly the second half of the season, and I, I think some people were... Uh, a little probably jumping the gun early on he's coming back from the ACL was getting his his mechanics down and you can just see him come into his own be much more confident have a few more weapons emerge um, as we've seen throughout the course of the year and I feel like he's just cool and calm and collected I feel like he doesn't really get rattled now when hey when guys are bearing down in the pocket you're going to get drilled yeah you might need to you know, move, move or maneuver. But I think just uh, his ability to be cool and level-headed throughout the course of a game, whether you're behind, whether you're up, whether you get bad calls, whether your guys are, you know, dropping passes, you don't see him overreact, which I think is huge. I think both, both Steve and Joe had that same personality type. And it's really important come playoff time because not everything goes great. And you know what? Mistakes are magnified uh, during playoff games, and you've got to have the right temperament. And so I think just the way that he's approached things and the confidence that he has right now are really going to play well for him. Hey, Brent, we're both involved coming here on the 16th with Dwight Clark and kind of reliving the catch and things that he did for the 49ers. Can you speak real briefly on Dwight Clark, his influence on you, and also the Golden Heart Fund and kind of what it's doing for our alumni? Uh, great, great call, Dennis. So interestingly enough, because I grew up in the Bay Area, I had the opportunity to watch the catch, uh, not at the stadium, but watch how it transformed a whole organization. And and Dwight and just the way that he carried himself. And so uh, my dad brought me to training camp. Uh, I think it was my sophomore, junior year in college for the express reason of going to watch Dwight Clark, how he prepared for practice, watched how he ran routes, watched how he caught the ball. Because at that point, I, I was hoping that someday I'd get a chance to play and, and I wanted to learn from, 
from one of the best and just sat there for the whole, you know, two and a half hours and watched him from stretching to breaking the huddle at the end of practice. And then, uh, to find myself, you know, a few years later in the huddle with him was a, a pinch me type of moment. Just a great guy, giving guy would help players, veterans, young players cared about guys so much. And, uh, it was tough, you know, going through the ALS thing with him to be quite honest, but he stood and looked it right in the face and said, Hey, I'm going out on my own terms, spent a lot of time with his friends, was energized over the, the couple years with every time the guys got together, which was often. And, uh, he just loved talking about the game, the good old days, the stories. And then that kind of led to the fact that, um, we had started, uh, a few guys had created this golden heart fund and really it is about, former players helping their teammates that have, you know, come up against something in life, whether it's mental or physical or financial. And so uh, we created a fund to have it be players helping former players. And through Dwight's time with ALS, he said, hey, every dollar I raise and everything we do with this now and in the future when I'm not around, I want that money to go to the Golden Heart Fund to help because his players, his buddies, and the 49ers red and gold meant something to him. And so pretty special to be honest with you. And, and we're going to have a big deal on it. Thursday night, the 16th in Walnut Creek, there might still be tickets. I think the website is letters to 87.com. If people hear that and want to go and purchase tickets and only 50 bucks, it's going to be a heck of a night sharing memories about Dwight and the whole 49er organization. Speaking of bringing back the good old days and all these memories, the 49ers have painted the end zones red again this week. They've added the saloon font, obviously, this year. So the field looks like Candlestick did in, in the 80s and the 90s with the same color scheme, and I think even the numbers have that red trim now. So the 49ers are doing a lot to make this feel like those golden days when Dwight Clark was playing, when Steve, Joe, when you were playing, Brent. I'm wondering if you've been getting pumped up here uh, watching this from the Bay Area this week as they're getting this field ready, as the hype is building for the playoffs again. Are you getting any sense of deja vu back to the 80s, back to the 90s with how everything is building up this week? You know, it's awesome that you mentioned that because uh, I, I had heard about them painting the, the end zones red and, and using the font. And I can picture it in my mind. Of course, we had so many games in in those type of uh, conditions with the, the painted uh, end zones. And so uh, I, I'm very anxious to see it. It's, it's great that uh, this current team and the ownership wants to harken back to, you know, the legendary status of the, you know, the organization. And you talk about a great legacy and these guys are upholding it in a very worthy manner. And I, I know Dennis has probably talked about that a lot as well. Uh, but it does make you excited because, you know, in the end, we we all play for the same organization. And no matter how, how old you get, you have those great memories. And uh, it's a special time. And so uh, I have to say, I, I'm just a tad bit more important when the team's playing well and in the playoffs and doing so well. So it, it feels good. Even being an old guy that has been around a long time, it's, it's, great, to, it's great to watch. I got one more for you, Brent. I think the best 49ers-Vikings moment, or at least the most famous one, was Steve's big run in in 1988, just considering everything around that, the fact that you guys ended up winning that Super Bowl. I'm wondering if you could take us back to that, maybe bring us back to your perspective of what happened on that play and before and after, because that's one that's probably going to get replayed forever. You know, it was a heck of a play, 
And, um, you know, dropping back, getting pressure, Vikings had a really strong defensive line. And then uh, Steve breaks the huddle and or breaks the pocket, and, and, you know, he's dancing around. He's making a move left, right, little spin, takes on some contact. I think they thought they had him down, and no. And, and I can remember Tom Rathman downfield, Roger Craig, throwing blocks and, and Steve Young rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. And then about the six yard line, he, he, I don't know how he did this. It maybe his legs were given out, but he stumbled, <laughs> tripped on some grass and he was about to go down and he just barely managed to stumble across the goal line. And uh, just a, a classic moment in 49er history, of course, an amazing run. And, uh, yeah, I remember him coming to the sideline and needing oxygen. He, he probably couldn't breathe for five minutes. And I don't know if it was because people were piling on him in the end zone or because he ran so darn far. But uh, it, it was uh, a heck of a run. And that's, that's in uh, all of our memories as well with those those purple jerseys on the other side of the ball. Yeah, he's actually told me that he was just straight up exhausted. A lot of people say that he tripped over something, but he said his legs just stopped working. There at the end. So I guess he needed that <laughs> oxygen tank, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> as much as he could get. But he could. everyone was trying to congratulate him on the sideline. He was waving him off like, hey, it took him five minutes to be able to breathe again. <laughs> <laughs> well, great 49ers, Vikings memories. We're looking forward to seeing you, man. And uh, it's, we have a lot of guys coming back. BY is coming back. Him and Joe are going to be uh, honorary captains for the game. BY is going to be in the radio with me. KMBR in the morning, so it's going to be an exciting day, and it's the first playoff game at Levi Stadium, so hopefully start a legacy come Saturday. DB, it's going to be fantastic, and I'll tell you where my confidence lies. I'm not coming out till next week's game. <laughs> nice. Oh, boy. Nice. nice. And I, I do think the 49ers have enough paint to uh, paint the end zones <laughs> again. Yeah. For the next week, Get it we'll just put it that way. And they also are what, like I think seven and one, yeah, seven and one as the number one seed. So the only loss was that eighty-seven-one against the Vikings. But flukes do happen a lot. So we'll see if the 49ers can just hold serve here and and get another win. Then it'll be either the Seahawks, or the Packers. Who would you rather see, Brent, if the 49ers win? Uh, to be honest, I I'd rather see the Packers. I think that they're uh, paper tigers. To be honest with you. Um, I'm, I'm not as impressed with them as the Seahawks playing a division opponent for the third time is always scary. All bets are off. And, uh, th- that's the one thing that would make me a little nervous. It'd be a heck of a matchup, but, um, uh, I'd rather make the green Bay guys come out and, and play in California. Does the whole Seattle thing give you memories of maybe the Cowboys rivalry or the, I know the <laughs> yeah, start of the Packers yeah. rivalry, just cause you see them so very, many times. Very much. Yep. There's, you know, no matter how you slice it, it's going to always be a super competitive game. Russell Wilson's amazing. And not to take anything away from, from Aaron, obviously a, a hall of fame quarterback. I just don't know that the Packers have the same athletes as the Seahawks do. And, you know, they can prove me wrong, but I've watched them all an awful lot this season. And I just, I think if you ask most 49er fans, there's a little fear when you talk Seahawks. I don't think there's any fear when you talk about the Packers. Yeah, it was 37 to 8. And I think that people still remember that game. And as you said, every single 49er Seahawks game seems preordained to be close. And and the last one came down to half an inch. (laughs) Man, I still. 
I mean, yeah, that's we're the number one seed by half an inch. It's just, wow, uh, a great thing to be better than the opposite. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Thank you, Brent, for joining us. Enjoy, enjoy watching the game, and, and we hope to see you the week after that. Hey, fellas, appreciate it. The second week of the playoffs is upon us. The bad news is that there's only a few more weeks left in the football season. But the good news is you can still get your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. And if you've never played before, there's even more to celebrate. You can play for $1 million top prize this weekend. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code RUN, R-U-N. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. Remember, that's code RUN, R-U-N, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25x playthrough. Eligibility to restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, so now pivoting from the history of the 49ers Vikings to the future of 49ers Vikings, and the next chapter will be written on Saturday at Levi's Stadium with the saloon font, uh, number one versus number six seed. And guys, uh, I guess I'll, I'll toss it to Dennis here first, but Dennis, my main view of this game is that there's a reason why the Vikings are the six seed. There's a reason why the 49ers are the one seed. And the 49ers... Because they're the one seed, they have that extra week to rest. They have gotten a lot healthier because of it. They should have fresh legs. On paper, this is a better football team. And given the whole buy mechanics, I think this is a better football team. There's a reason why the 49ers are 7-1 and one when they're the number one seed in these divisional round games. You guys used to win those games all the time, usually by more than one score. So I think the 49ers show up to play. They have the leg up, Dennis, and, and that's why they have to show up on Saturday. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, if on paper, the 49ers are a better football team. They're, they're coming off a of bye week. They're getting a lot of key players back, especially on defense. Uh, and, and they are the number one seed. But when you look at Minnesota, they went into New Orleans and, and, and they beat Drew Brees, Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees. Uh, you know, and they sh- and they kind of shut down, you know, that uh, New Orleans offense um, and they they came up with the win in overtime. So they got a lot of confidence. Uh, they do have to fly across country again, kind of on a short week. Uh, but it's a it's a uh, playoff game. It's a playoff environment. And, and these guys are coming into Levi Stadium with a lot of confidence. Uh, and they've got some guys on the perimeter uh, that can that are big play guys. They got a quarterback that throws a good long ball. He's pretty accurate. So, you know, you have to come in with your fundamentals. And, you know, and, and this team has to start. The 49ers have to start off fast. And they have to get after this quarterback. Uh, and they have to shut down a run game. And they've got a running back in Cook who is a true downhill runner. And once he gets the ball, I mean, he's trying to get to the second level right away. He's not dancing in the backfield. He's trying to get to the second level. And, and his run game, that run game sets up that play action pass. And and that's when they're the most successful. So this team, 49ers have to get off to a fast start. They have to get after the quarterback. They got to get some hits on them. D4 being back in the lineup is huge, I think. 
Yeah, I agree with Dennis. I mean, uh, the 49ers have been very clear about what their priority is this week on, on defense, and that's stopping Dalvin Cook in the run. And um, it, it's it's interesting because the, we, we've talked about this all season long, how the 49ers sort of re- reinvented their defense to go after the pass. This has become a passing league. Uh, most teams pass the ball more than they run the ball. And here we are in their, their biggest game of the year, uh, their first playoff game, and they're playing the one team that, that runs the ball more than, than passes it. Um, so it's a little bit counter to what uh, the rest of the league does. But, uh, you know, I, I think the 49ers, uh, when, when they know that they have to stop the run, they, they've been good at it this year. I mean, you can count the number of uh, 100-yard rushers against them on uh, uh, two fingers, I think. Uh, uh, McCaffrey and uh, uh, the, the Cardinals runner, uh, Drake. Kenyon Drake, Kenyon yeah. Drake. And, and all we, wins, all wins, too. And, and both of those were wins. And, and the McCaffrey stuff, most of that came in garbage time. That was a, a, a huge victory for the 49ers. I think 40 of those yards came uh, when the, the Panthers are well down in the game. So my point being that uh, I feel like this team is capable of doing that if that is their focus. Um, I think that the Vikings are going to be looking for weak, weak spots in this, uh, in this defense. Is, does Joukowsky Tart going to be throwing his body around with that, uh, with that rib injury? He, he wasn't on the practice report all week. I don't think that rib is 100% healed, but he's going to start in this game. Uh, they're going to test Akella Witherspoon, I think, on the edge. Uh, they, they love to do that edge running, that, that toss that we saw them do early on in the Saints game. Uh, does Akella Witherspoon want to, you know, come up and stop the run? I mean, uh, he, he's been very kind of shoddy in that uh, in that part this year. And the other weak, potential weak spot is is right up the middle, uh, just given the injuries the 49ers have at nose tackles. So, I think the uh, the Vikings will sort of look around for soft spots like that. My um, guess is that uh, they don't they don't find many. I, I think the, they, they might keep it close early. But I agree with both of you guys. Uh, this is the 49ers game. I think they uh, they take control in the second half. Well, there's a nice stat to highlight your point, Matt, about the 49ers stopping the run when they're ready for it. It's called uh, stuff rate, and Football Outsiders tracks it. It's the measure of third and fourth downs with less than two yards to go, so pretty obvious running situations. It measures how often a defense stuffs the opposition. 49ers are number two in the NFL. Yeah, very so, good at penetrating, so yep. I think that's probably part of it. So, yeah, and it just shows you this is a talented defensive line, a talented group of linebackers. And yes, while they may be more geared toward rushing the passer and they may be using more of their resources to do that, when push comes to shove, talent's talent. So let's let's change modes. Let's move to stopping the run. They've been able to do that this year. You got, you know, Eric Armstead is a great example of that. He's been good against both all season. And I think Nick Bosa has developed as a run stopper over the course of this year. He made some nice TFLs against New Orleans that probably saved the game that was of the thin of margins. So, yes, the 49ers can stop the run. They're going to have to because Kirk Cousins, I call him a guy, you know, I don't want to say game manager because, as Dennis said, he does throw a pretty deep ball. You look at the yards per attempt, it's pretty good this year. Kirk Cousins can, you know, be explosive, but I haven't seen him be explosive when the offense is not on schedule. That's different from a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo who was able to convert those two two third and 16s against the Rams with guys in his face. Kirk Cousins, I think, has to operate 
you know, third and manageable. By the way, Vikings number one in the NFL on third and short this year. That just shows you that when this Vikings offense stays on schedule, Kirk Cousins can be really good. That means that they have to stop the run on the early downs. And, and, and Dennis, I think that the, the formula is simple. This is what Robert Sala always preaches. Stop the run on early downs or at least slow it enough to where you, you, Kirk Cousins doesn't have those high leverage situations to where he can run play action and, and you don't know what he's doing on second and third down. Yeah, and that's the key to any defense. I mean, you got to win on the early downs. And, and you said it. Kirk Cousins is a guy that wants those third and manageable plays. And, and if you get him in a third and long situation and you put some pressure on him and you talk about being on schedule, if that offense is not running the ball, they're not on schedule. And then it's right. kind of on him. And that's that's what has to be the key. You got to take away that run. You got to be disciplined in your run fits. Uh, like I said, Cook is a guy, when he gets the ball, he is gone. This kid is quick. He's big, he's fast, and he doesn't mind running in between the tackles. So, you know, Quan Alexander, he's going to be tested. You're going to see how that how that how that peck is doing. You're going to see D Ford get tested uh, in the run game. So it, it's got it's got to be the number one priority of this defense is to shut down that run uh, and put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands. And if and if you can get some some hits on Kirk Cousins, he's going to throw you some interceptions. If he gets rattled, if he has to move around in the pocket a little bit. He's going to throw you some picks. So that's got to be uh, the main priority, the main urgency of this defense is to get after the quarterback. These guys are, the 49ers are six and a half point favorites. I think everybody, all three of us, think that they're going to win this game. If we're playing devil's advocate, what are some spots that would make you nervous? And, and do you think that the 49ers or would allow the, the, the Vikings to, to maybe sneak away with a win? Um, I'll, I'll start with one. Uh, and, and let you guys uh, give give your two cents too. Um, I don't know. To, to me, the you know that that uh, gauntlet that the 49ers ran in December does that have some sort of uh, negative effect on this team? Just in terms of um, depleting them of in, uh, of energy, they're they're coming out of this bye. They've allowed themselves to relax a little bit, whereas you know Minnesota was playing on Sunday and. Uh, are, are more sort of in the rhythm of things. Does it does it take the 49ers, I guess what I'm saying, time to kind of get back into the swing of things? I don't think that's going to happen. We talked to uh, Fred Warner last week about this, and he was already cognizant of it. But to me, that's that's a potential pitfall, I think, when you are the team coming off of uh, the bye week, that it does take you a little bit of time to sort of warm up and get back into the game. David, what, what do you see as a potential pitfall for this team? Yeah, I agree that it could be a higher risk, higher reward kind of thing to where, A, you either get a huge turbo charge with fresher legs if you approach it right and, and you're healthier or you come out a little bit sluggish. I personally don't think that's going to be the case with this football team because they're hungry. These are young guys who have been fighting for this. They've gone through lean times here recently, especially this core group of coaches and players 2017, 2018. They, they've been building for this, so I don't think that's a concern. You know, if anything, there might be a little too many uh, excitement jitters at the start of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Jimmy Garoppolo's first playoff start. So we're going to see how that goes at the start of the game. And the Vikings defense is probably going to attack him a bit unconventionally. When we saw them attack Drew Brees unconventionally, they have two really good edge rushers in Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin. And they realize that's their strength on defense. And they probably also realize that the 49ers' potential weakness on offense is the interior line. If you talk about the December, 
gauntlet. Well, the one negative, really negative carryover that may extend to this game is the fact the 49ers lost Weston Richburg during that December gauntlet. So they're playing with a backup center. Uh, they're playing with probably Dan Brunskill at right guard and, and Lakin Tomlinson at left guard. All guys who have been, you know, good in different ways this season, but we have seen struggles against elite interior linemen, Aaron Donald, Grady Jarrett being the guys that come to mind. The Vikings last week decided to take Griffin and Daniel Hunter, the ends, and rush them a lot inside, and it caused Drew Brees a whole lot of problems. So, you know, my question is, if, if I'm playing devil's advocate, can the 49ers prove that they're better than an unexpected and very good inside rush from athletic guys coming from the outside coming in? And, and personally, Dennis, you could probably speak to this a little bit better, but in, there's a big difference in today's NFL between interior uh, rushers and edge rushers. And, and those edge rushers are, are very athletic. They're going to be a little bit more athletic. I think the 49ers might be built on the interior for that kind of challenge just because they have made it a point to have very athletic offensive linemen of their own. So when I look at that matchup, I think that, that the 49ers will be able to block the Vikings a bit better than the Saints did last week. Yeah, and, and if you look at tape of the 49ers, when, when, when that offense has, has any kind of problems, it's pressure up the middle, especially on passing downs, uh, right in Jimmy Garoppolo's face. So, you know, it, just looking at the game plan, I, I, I could see the Vikings, like you said, Get those edge rushers, get those quicker, faster guys in the middle, running a lot of games, making those offensive linemen, those guards make decisions. But like you said, you know, both the guards are very athletic. The center is very athletic. Uh, so I, I think I think they're up to task on that. When I think when I look at the, this game, I, I, I see Kirk Cousins testing the corner. I think uh, I know uh, Akello's going to start. I think he will be targeted early in the football game. I think. The game plan for Minnesota is going to be get some big plays, get some plays, uh, some big gash plays, get some big explosion plays, maybe get the 49ers off their game plan a little bit. But I think that's where they're going to attack. Akella Witherspoon uh, on the corners. I don't know which receiver is going to be out there. I know there's been news reports saying that Diggs and Thielen have been hurt and sick. Uh, I think that's a, a bunch of hype. I think those guys are going to be on the field for a divisional football game. Uh, and I think that's where the, the, the Vikings, if they see, you know, any type of, of edge or anything that they want to kind of attack or exploit, I think it's going to be on the perimeter with a, with a Kello or Emmanuel, whoever's out there. Yeah, we should uh, update everybody on the on the injuries. Um, Stephon Diggs did miss the first two practices of the week with the flu. Uh, he was back for today, so uh, it looks like he's going to be uh, on the field on Saturday. And then Adam Thielen had a uh, laceration on his ankle. I'm still not exactly sure how it would happen. Uh, that occurred during Wednesday's practice. He missed today's practice. Um, it's questionable on the injury report, but it's not a sprained ankle. There's no damage to the, uh, to the joint itself. Uh, he needed stitches to get that stitched up. So both of those guys, as Dennis said, uh, likely to be out on the field. So 49ers aren't going, aren't going to catch a break there. And then uh, in terms of their own injuries, um, uh, Jaguaski Tart and uh, Mike Person both aren't on the injury report. So they, they went through a full practice today. Uh, both those guys will be uh, full go, although uh, Kyle Shanahan was a little bit coy about whether Person would get his starting job back. And to David's earlier point, uh, you know, Daniel Brunskill is the more athletic guy there. And uh, if, if, if they are sort of matching athleticism for athleticism, 
might be that Brunskill is the better matchup, and, and that, that'll be that'll be interesting, something to watch during pregame for sure. The the big or the two big uh, guys that we're looking at uh, for the 49ers are D Ford and Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander is going to be uh, activated on Friday. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be you know a a full participant in the game, which means he's not going to play that weak side spot. Uh, that's probably going to still uh, be uh, Drake Greenlaw's spot, but uh, he's going to get in the game. I mean, the, the obvious solution, I think, is for ha- uh, to have Quan Alexander play strong side linebacker, which in this game will probably be, what, 75% of the snaps? It's going to be a lot, yeah. m- more than any other game uh, that position's played so far. And then, David, uh, get everybody up to speed on what we uh, saw, heard from uh, D. Ford today. I guess we didn't hear from him at all. Uh, which is kind of noteworthy in itself. Yeah, the silence is loud in that situation because there seems to have been this aura of a little bit more uncertainty later in the week about D. Ford around the building than there was early in the week. And, yeah, he's been out of practice in the limited capacity, but we haven't really seen him in the locker room today. It was very brief. He went off to get treatment, and initially the, the rumor was that he was going to be back pretty soon to to speak to the media, as is usually the case on Fridays. But then we were told that he still has about an hour to an hour and a half of treatment on the hamstring remaining. And uh, we were told that he's doing everything he possibly can to be ready for the game on Saturday. Now, I mean, just that wording, he's doing everything that he possibly can to be ready, uh, I think is inherently different than the tone that we heard early in the week when uh, there was optimism. Yeah, D. Ford's going to play. I'm feeling great about it. Now it's moved back to, oh, he's getting hours worth of treatment and he's just rushing and doing everything that he can. So, I mean, he's officially listed as questionable. And I think that it's as questionable as it gets based on what we've heard and seen and or not seen and not heard over yeah. the, the, the course of the past day or two. And and uh, that's obviously huge. And I, I don't know if we could really uh, predict any more than that. That's just what we're, you know, uh, basing. Uh, we're basing it off of our own eyes and ears here at the facility. So, uh, Dennis, obviously, that's a big tipping point for, for the defensive line. We've talked about that for several weeks. And if they don't have D Ford, it's going to be a lot harder on, on Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, what, what he brings you, it, it's hard to – to kind of have that level of play. I mean, just his get off and his ability to get to the quarterback, his ability to set that, that, that hard edge on that defensive side. And if he's not in there, you know, then you have, you know, Solomon Thomas in there. And, and, and I'm sure offensive coordinators, coordinators have seen how he plays and he has a hard time disengaging sometimes from, from offensive linemen. So that would be a point of attack. Uh, to exploit the defense a little bit too, but uh, if D. Ford's in there, I think he, you know, he makes this defense so much better. And you, we saw the first four games, five games of the season, kind of what this defense can do, and that's the kind of defensive play the 49ers need on Saturday. Just getting after the quarterback, disrupting the offense, and he's a huge part of it. All right. Well, it's going to be one of those things where I think we have to wait until game time. I know you said that the Thielen and the dig stuff is probably a lot of smoke. The D Ford stuff. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. You know, D Ford has the, the track record with the hamstring this year that that, that hasn't been great. So uh, this is going to be one that we're going to pay close attention to on Saturday morning as the build up toward the 49ers back in the NFC Divisional playoffs uh, really heats up ahead of kickoff. And we're really looking forward to it. 
Um, the, we're, we're sitting in the club level here of Levi Stadium, just a few yards away from the field, which has been freshly painted with the saloon font. We talked about it with Brent Jones, and it's going to be a lot of fun on, on Saturday. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, for Dennis Brown and for Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We will talk to you next time after the playoff game, the divisional round on Saturday. So be sure to tune back into the Here's the Catch podcast.